0: Section four of Sam Lawson's Old Town Fireside Stories by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Section four The Widow's Bandbox. Lordy massy, stick your hat into the northeast, horse, and see if you can't stop out this year wind. I mean, most used up with it so spake sam lawson contemplating mournfully a new broad-brimmed straw hat in which my soul was rejoicing it was the dripping end of a sour november afternoon which closed up a spell o weather that had been steadily driving wind and rain for a week past and we boys sought the shelter and solace of his shop and opening the door let in the wind aforesaid sam had been all day in one of his periodical fits of desperate industry the smoke and sparks had been seen flying out of his shop chimney in a frantic manner and the blows of his hammer had resounded with a sort of feverish persistence intermingled with a doleful wailing of psalm tunes of the most lugubrious description these fits of industry on sam's part were an affliction to us boys especially when they happened to come on saturday for Sam was as much a part of our Saturday afternoon calculations as if we had a regular deed of property in him, and we had been all day hanging round his shop, looking in from time to time, in the vague hope that he would propose something to brighten up the dreary monotony of a holiday in which it had been impossible to go anywhere or do anything. "'Sam, ain't you coming over to tell us some stories tonight? Bless your soul and body, boys. Life ain't made to be spent telling stories. Why, I shall have to be up here working till after twelve o'clock, said Sam, who was suddenly possessed with a spirit of the most austere diligence. Here I be up to my neck in work. Things kind of coming in a heap together. There's Miss Cap'n Broad's and Irons. She set word she must have to tonight. And there's Lady Lothrop. She wants her warmin' pad right off. There can't none on em wait a minute longer. I've been a drivin' and working all day like a nigger slave. Then there was jedith Pettibone. He brought down them coats today, and I worked the biggest part of the morning shoein' on em, And then Jeddeth, he said he couldn't make change to pay me, so there weren't nothing coming for it. And then Hepsy, she kept a jawin' at me all dinner time about that. Why, I weren't to blame now, was I? I can't make everybody do just right and pay regular, can I? So you see it goes, boys, getting your bread by the sweat of your brow and sometimes sweating and not getting your bread. That there's what I call the cuss, the original cuss, that come on man for hearkening to the voice of his wife. That there was what did it. It allers kind of riles me up with Mother Eve when I think on it. The women hain't no business to fret as they do, though they sot the sheer state of things going in the first place. But Sam, Aunt Lois and Aunt Nabby are both going over to Miss Mahédebal's to tea. Now you just come over and eat supper with us and tell us a story, do? Gone out to tea, be they? Said Sam, relaxing his hammering with a brightening gleam stealing gradually across his lanky visage well that there looks like a providential opening to be sure well i guess i'll come what's the use of never having a good time if you work yourself up into shoestrings you don't get no thanks for it and things in this world's about as broad as they is long the women'll scold, turn which way you will a good mug of cider and some cold victuals over to the deacons will kind of comfort a fella up and your granny she's sort of merciful she don't rub it into a feller all the time, like Miss Lois. "'Now, let's see, boys,' said Sam, when a comfortable meal of pork and beans had been disposed of, and a mug of cider was set down before the fire to warm. "'I spect you'll like to hear a downy story tonight.' "'Of course we did, and tumbled over each other in our eagerness to get the nearest place to the narrator.' SAM'S METHOD OF TELLING A STORY WAS AS leisurely AS THAT OF SOME MODERN NOVEL WRITERS. HE WOULD TAKE HIS TIME FOR IT, AND PROCEED BY EASY STAGES. IT WAS LIKE THE COURSE OF A DREAMY, SLOW-MOVING RIVER THROUGH A TANGLED MEADOW FLAT. NOT A RUSH NOR A BUSH, BUT WAS REFLECTED IN IT. IN SHORT, SAM GAVE HIS PHILOSOPHY OF MATTERS AND THINGS IN GENERAL AS HE WENT ALONG, AND WAS ESPECIALLY CAREFUL TO IMPRESS AN EDIFYING MORAL. Well, you see, boys, you know I was born down to Newport, there where it's all ships and shipping and such. My old mother, she kept a boarding house for sailors down there. Well, you see, I rolled and tumbled round the world pretty considerable afore I settled down here in Old Town. You see, my mother, she wanted to bind me out to a blacksmith, but I kind of sort of didn't seem to take to it. It was kind of hard work. "'and boys is apt to want to take life easy. "'Well, I used to run off to the seashore "'and lie stretched out on them rocks there "'and look off onto the water, "'and it did used to look so sort of blue and peaceful "'and the ships come a-sailing in and out "'so sort of easy and natural "'that I felt as if that there be "'just the easiest kind of life a feller could have. "'All he had to do was get aboard one of them ships and be off seeking his fortune at t'other end of the rainbow where gold grows on bushes and there's valleys o' diamonds so nothing would do but i gin my old mother the slip and away i went to sea with my duds tied up in a handkerchief i tell you what boys if you want to find a easy life don't you never go to sea i tell you life on shipboard ain't what it looks to be on shore I hadn't been aboard more'n three hours afore I was the sickest critter that ever you did see, and I tell you, I didn't get no kind of compassion. Captains and mates, they allers thinks boys ain't no kind of business to have no bowels nor nothin, and they put it on em sick or well. It's just a kick here, and a cuff there, and to twitch by the ear in t'other place, one a shovin on em this way, and another hittin on em a clip, and all growlin from mornin to night. I believe the way my ears got so long was being hauled out of my berth by em. That there's a sailor's regular way of waking up a boy. Well, by the time I got to the Penobscot country, all I wanted to know was how to get back again. That there's just the way folks go all their lives, boys. It's all fuss, fuss, and stew, stew till you get somewhere, and then it's fuss, fuss, and stew, stew to get back again jump here and scratch your eyes out and jump there and scratch em in again that there's life well i kind of poked around in penobscot country till i got a berth on the brilliant that was lying at camden going to sail to boston you see the brilliant she was a tight little sloop in the government service twas in the war times you see and commodore tucker that is now he was captain tucker then he had the command on her used to run up and down all the coast taking observations of the british and keeping his eye out on em and giving on em a nip here and a clip there cordin' as he got a good chance why your grandfather knew old commodore tucker it was he that took dr franklin over minister to france and dodged all the british vessels right in the middle of the war I tell you, that there was like running through the drops in a thunder shower. He got chased by the British ships pretty considerable, but he was too spry for them. Out of the war was over. Commodore Tucker took over John Adams, our first minister to England. A dreadful smart man that Commodore was, but he most liked to have been took in this year time, I'm a-telling you about, and all cause he was sort of soft-hearted to the women. Tom Toothaker told me the story tom he was one that got me the berth on the ship you see i used to know tom at newport and once when he took sick there my mother nursed him up and that was why tom was friends with me and got me the berth and kept me warm in it too tom he was one of your real maine boys that's hatched out so to speak in water like ducks he was born away down there on harpswell point and they say if you throw one of them harpswell babies into the sea he'll take to it natural and swim like a cork if they hit their head again a rock it only dents the rock but don't hurt the baby tom he was a great character on the ship he could see farther he knew more about wind and water than most folks the officers took tom's judgment and the men all went by his say my mother she chalked a streak of good luck for me when she nursed up tom "'Well, we was a-line at Camden there one arternoon, "'goin' to sail for Boston that night. "'It was a sort of soft, pleasant afternoon, kind of still, "'and there weren't nothin' a-goin' on but just the hens a crow, crawin "'and a up one foot and holdin' it a spell, "'cause they didn't know where to set it down, "'and the geese a-sissin' and a-pickin' at the grass. "'You see, Camden wasn't nothin' of a place.' It "'was just as if somebody had emptied out a pocketful of houses and forgot them. "'There weren't nothing astirin' or goin' on, "'and so we was all took aback. When about four o'clock in the afternoon, there come a boat alongside "'with a tall, elegant lady in it, all dressed in deep mourning. "'She reared up sort of princess-like and come aboard our ship "'and wanted to speak to Captain Tucker. "'Where she come from, or what she wanted, or where she was goin' to, we none of us knew. She kept her veil down so we couldn't get sight of her face. All was, she must see Captain Tucker alone right away. Well, Captain Tucker, he was like the generality of captains. He was up to about everything that any man could do, but it was pretty easy for a woman to come it over him. You see, captains, they don't see women as men do ashore. They don't have enough of them to get tired on them, and every woman's an angel to a sea captain anyway the captain he took her into his cabin and he sought her a chair and was her humble servant to command and what would she have of him and we was all a-winking and a-nudging each other and a-peaking to see what was to come on it and she see it and so she asks in a sort of princess way to speak to the captain alone and so the doors was shut and we was left to our own ideas and a-wondering what it was all to be about well you see it come out atterwards all about what went on and things went this way just as soon as the doors was shut and she was left alone with the cap'n she busted out crying and a sobbing fit to break her heart well the cap'n he tried to comfort her up but no she wouldn't be comforted but went on a weeping and a wailing and a wringing on her hands till the poor cap'n's heart was almost broke, for the cap'n was the tenderest-hearted critter that could be, and couldn't bear to see a child or a woman in trouble no ways. "'Oh, cap'n,' said she, "'I'm the most unfortunate woman. I'm all alone in this world,' says she, "'and I don't know what'll become of me if you don't keep me,' says she. "'Well,' the cap'n thought it was time to run up his colors, "'and so says he,' ma'am i'm a married man and i love my wife says he and so i can feel for all women in distress says he oh well then says she you can feel for me and know how to pity me my dear husband's just died suddenly when he was up the river he was took with the fever in the woods i nursed him day and night says she but he died there in a miserable little hut far from home and friends says she and i brought his body down with me hoping providence would open some way to get it back to our home in boston and now cap'n you must help me then the cap'n see what she was up to and he hated to do it and tried to cut her off asking but she wasn't to be put off now cap'n says she "'If you'll take me and the body of my husband on board to-night, "'I'd be willing to reward you to any amount. "'Money would be no object to me,' says she. "'Well, you see, the captain, he kind of hated to do it, "'and he hemmed and hawed, and he tried to apologize. "'He said, "'Twas a government vessel, "'and he didn't know as he had a right to use it. "'He said sailors was apt to be suspicious, "'and he didn't want them to know as there was a corpse on board.' "'Well,' said she, "'why need they know? "'For, you see, she was up to every dodge, "'and she said she'd come along with it at dusk in a box "'and have it just carried to a stateroom, "'and he needn't tell nobody what it was. "'Well, Cap'n Tucker, he hung off, "'and he tried his best to persuade her "'to have a funeral all quiet there at Camden. "'He promised to get a minister,' to tend to it and wait a day till it was all over and then take her on to boston free gratis but twas all no go she wouldn't hear a word to it and she reeled off the talk to him by the yard and when talk failed she took to her waterworks again till finally the cap'n said his resolution was clean washed away and he'd just give up hook and line and so t'was all settled and arranged that when evening come she was to be alongside with her boat and took aboard. When she come out of the captain's room to go off, I see Tom Toothacre a-watching on her. He stood there by the railing, a-shaving up a plug of backy to put in his pipe. He didn't say a word, but he sort of took the measure of that thar woman with his eye and kept a follerin' on her. She had a fine, sort of lively look, carried her head up and shoulders back, and stepped as if she had steel springs in her heels. "'Well, Tom, what do you say to her?' says Ben Bowden. "'I don't say nothing,' says Tom, and he lit his pipe. "'Tain't my business,' says he. "'Well, what do you think?' says Ben. Tom gin hissed to his trousers. "'Me thoughts is my own,' says he.' and I calculate to keep him to myself, says he. And then he just walked to the side of the vessel and watched the woman a-getting ashore. There was a queer kind of look in Tom's eye. Well, the captain, he was dreadful, sort of uneasy after she was gone. He had a long talk in the cabin with Mr. Moore, the first officer, and there was a sort of stir aboard as if something was a-going to happen. We couldn't just say what it was. Sometimes it seems as if, when things is going to happen, a body kind of feels them coming in the air. We boys was all that way. Of course, we didn't know nothing about what the woman wanted, or what she come for, or whether she was coming again. In fact, we didn't know nothing about it. And yet we sort of expected something to come of it, and something did come, sure enough. Come on, night, just at dusk, we see a boat coming alongside and there sure enough was the lady in it there she's coming again says i to tom Toothaker. yes and brought her baggage with her says tom and he pointed down to a long narrow pine box that was in the boat beside her just then the captain called on Mr. Moore, and he called on Tom Toothaker, and among them they lowered a tackle and swung the box aboard and put it in the stateroom right alongside the captain's cabin. The lady, she thanked the captain and Mr. Moore, and her voice was just as sweet as any nightingale, and she went into the stateroom after they put the body in it, and was gone ever so long with it. "'The captain and Mr. Moore, they stood a-whisperin' to each other, "'and every once in a while they kind of nod at the door where the lady was. "'Well, by and by she come out with her handkerchief to her eyes "'and come on deck and begun talking to the captain and Mr. Moore "'and a-wishin' all kinds of blessings on their heads. "'Well, time Toothacre didn't say a word, good or bad. "'He just kept a-lookin' at her, "'watchin' her as a cat watches a mouse.' Finally we up sail and started with a fair breeze. The lady, she kept a-walkin' up and down, up and down, and every time she turned on her heel, I saw Tom a-lookin' at her and kind of noddin' to himself. "'What makes you look at her so, Tom?' says I to him. "'Cause I think she wants lookin' at her, says Tom. What's more, says he, if the cap'n don't look sharp at her, the devil'll have us all afore mornin'. I tell you, Sam, there's mischief under them petticoats. Why? What do you think? Says I. Think? I don't think. I knows. Dat there's no gal nor widder neither. If my name's Tom Toothaker, look at her walk. Look at the way she turns on her heel. I've been a watching on her. They ain't no woman livin' with a step like that. Says he. Well, who should the critter be then? Says I. Well, says Tom. If that air ain't a British naval officer, I lose my bet. I've been used to the ways on em, and I knows their build and their step. And what do you suppose she's got in that long box, says I? What has she got, says Tom? Well, folks might say it's none of my business, but I specs it'll turn out some of my business, and yourn, too, if he don't look sharp after it, says Tom. It's no good that there box ain't why don't you speak to mr moore says i well you see she's a chipperin round and a makin herself agreeable to both on em you see she don't mean to give nobody any chance for a talk with em but i've got my eye on her for all that you see i hain't no sort of disposition to sarve out of time on one of them british prison ships it might be almighty handy for the british to have the brilliant fur a coast vessel says he but you see it can't be spared just yet so madam says he i've got my eye on you well tom was as good as his word for when mr moore came towards him at the wheel tom he up and says to him mr moore says he that there big box in the stateroom yonder wants lookin into tom was a sort of privileged character and had a way of speaking up that the officers took in good part cause they knew he was a first-rate right hand well, Mr Moore he looks mysterious and says he, Tom, do the boys know what's in that there box? I bet they don't, says Tom. If they had, you wouldn't a get em to help it aboard. Well, you see, poor woman, says Mr Moore to Tom, she was so distressed she wanted to get her husband's body to Boston, and there wan't no other way, and so the captain let it come aboard. He didn't want the boys to suspect what it really was husband's body be hanged said tom guess that there corpse ain't so dead but what there'll be a resurrection after morning if tain't looked after says he why what do you mean tom says mr moore all in a blue maze i mean that there gals that's been a-switchin their petticoats up and down our deck ain't no gal at all that there's a british officer mr moore you give my duty to the cap'n and tell him to look into his widder's bandbox box and see what he'll find there. Well, the mate, he went and had a talk with the cap'n, and they agreed between em that Mr. Moore was to hold her in talk while the cap'n went and took observations in the stateroom. So down the cap'n goes into the stateroom to give a look at the box. Well, he finds the stateroom door all locked, to be sure, and my lady had the key in her pocket, but then the cap'n, he had a master key to it, and so he puts it in and opens the door quite softly and begins to take observations. Sure enough, he finds that the screws had been drawed from the top of the box, showing that the widder had been a-tinkering on it when they thought she was a-crying over it, and then, looking close, he sees a bit of twine going from a crack in the box out of the winder and up on deck well the captain he kind of got in the spirit of the thing and he thought he'd just let the widder play her play out and see what it would come to so he just calls tom toothacre down to him and whispered to him tom says he you just crawl under the berth in that thar stateroom and wash that there box and tom said he would so tom creeps under the berth and lies there still as a mouse and the cat and he slips out and turns the key in the door so that when madam comes down she shouldn't spec nothing pretty soon sure enough tom heard the lock rattle and the young widder come in and then he heard a bit of conversation between her and the corpse what time is it come in a kind of hoarse whisper out of the box well about nine o'clock says she how long afore you let me out says he oh you must have patience says she till they're all gone off to sleep when there ain't but one man up i can knock him down says she and then i'll pull the string for you the devil you will ma'am says tom to himself under the berth well it's darn close here says the feller in the box well he didn't say darn boys but he said a wickeder word that i can't repeat no ways said sam in a parenthesis these year british officers was dreadful swearin' critters you must have patience a while longer says the lady till i pull the string tom toothaker lay there on his back a laughing is everything going on right says the man in the box all straight says she there don't none of em suspect you bet says tom toothaker under the berth "'and he said he had the greatest mind "'to catch the critter by the feet "'as she was a-standin' there, "'but somehow thought it would be better fun "'to see the thing through according as they'd planned it. "'Well, then she went off, "'switchin' and mincin' up to the deck again "'and a-flirtin' with the catin', "'for, you see, twas agreed to let em play their play out. "'Well, Tom he lay there a-waitin', "'and he waited and waited and waited "'till he most got asleep but finally he heard a stirrin' in the box, as if the feller was a gettin' up. Tom, he just crawled out still and careful and stood up tight again the wall. Pretty soon he hears a grunt, and he sees the top of the box a rising up, and the man just gettin' out on it, mighty still. Well, Tom, he waited till he got fairly out onto the floor and had his hand on the lock of the door. When he jumps on him, and puts both arms round him, and git him a regular bear's hug. Why, what's this? says the man. Guess you'll find out, darn ye, says Tom Toothacre. So you wanted our ship, did ye? Well, you just can't have our ship, says Tom, says he, and I tell you, he just run that there fella upstairs, lickety-split, for Tom was strong as a giant first thing they saw was mr moore had got the widder by both arms and was tying on em behind her you see madam your game's up says mr moore but we'll give you a free passage to boston though says he we wanted a couple of prisoners about these days and you'll do nicely the fellers they was pretty chop-fallen to be sure and the one in woman's clothes specially cause when he was found out he felt foolish enough in his petticoats "'but they was both took to Boston "'and given over as prisoners. "'You see, come to look into matters, "'they found these two young fellers, "'British officers, "'had formed a regular plot "'to take Captain Tucker's vessel "'and run it to Halifax, "'and, you see, Captain Tucker, "'he was so sort of spry "'and knew all the Maine coast so well "'and was so cute at dodging in and out "'of all them little bays and creeks "'and places all along shore "'that he made the British considerable trouble.' "'cause wherever they didn't want him, "'that's where he was sure to be. "'So they hatched up this year plan. "'There was one or two British sailors "'had been and shipped aboard the brilliant "'a week or two aforehand, "'and twas suspected they was to have helped in the plot "'if things had gone as they laid out. "'But I tell you, when the fellows see which way the cat jumped, "'they took pretty good care to say "'that they hadn't nothing to do with it. "'Oh, no, by no manner o' means,' Well, of course, you know, it couldn't be proved on him, and so we let it go. But I tell you, Cap'n Tucker, he felt pretty cheap about his widder. The worst on it was, they do say ma'am Tucker got holt of it, and you might know if a woman got holt of a thing like that, she'd use it as handy as a cat would her claws. The women, they can't no more help hittin' a feller a clip and a rap when they fairly got him than a cat when she's catched a mouse. "'and so I shouldn't wonder if the Commodore heard something about his widder "'every time he went home from his voyages the longest day he had to live. "'I don't know nothing about it, you know. "'I only kind of judge by what looks, as human nature goes. "'But, Lordy, Massy boys, it wa'n't nothing to be shamed of in the cap'n. "'Folks will have to answer for worse things at the last day "'than trying to do a kindness to a poor widder. "'Now I tell you.' It's better to be took in doing a good thing than never try to do good. And it's my settled opinion, said Sam, taking up his mug of cider and caressing it tenderly. It's my humble opinion that the best sort of folks is the easiest took in, especially by the women. I really don't think I should have done a bit better myself End of Section four The Widow's bandbox.